Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Let's Read the Bible Together reading plan. We also have the plan available on our website, grove.church. And as usual, uh, if you are listening along and there are questions that come up uh, as you're reading along or even listening with us, I guess that's a better way to say it, uh, we would love to take time at the, as much as we can week over week to answer any questions that come up for you. And so you can send those in to us via two ways. One is an email. The email address is info at grove.church. Make sure to put in the subject line a podcast question, or you can direct message the Facebook. We are the Facebook page of the Grove Church. I guess I could say that in a better way. But we are the Facebook page. We are the Facebook page. Of the, we are the Grove Church in Washington State, uh, and you can DM us there, and we'll get those questions as well. So look forward to answering your questions when we can. There you go. Well, listeners, this is a this is a nice time for me and Aaron because we haven't recorded in a few weeks, so we had to. You do... didn't know that, I hope. But... Well, yeah, I think we said it in one of the podcast episodes that we were doing a bunch. Listen, of we recorded so many a couple weeks ago. It's insane. So I, I I try to make a habit of like listening back on them just to kind of see like how we can improve. And like the last one that we did, I could definitely tell that our energy was just sapped from doing a bunch. So sorry for that, listeners. Hopefully you stuck so today around. we took a shot of uh, hot sauce. It's called the bomb. No, I'm just kidding. We have hot sauce here on the table. But um, yeah, so this week I'm back from vacation. I took two weeks off. So uh, that's part of the reason why we had to record so many. So Alrighty. now well, we're back at it. Without further ado, listeners, let's pick up where we left off in Chronicles. We are in the middle of Israel's golden age. Um, If you cracked open a history book and you were just thinking basically based off of like, when was it at its greatest height? When was it at its most wealthy? You would zero in on the reign of Solomon as being the pinnacle of the kingdom of Israel. So that's where we are. From Um, a worldly standpoint. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. From the from the biblical standpoint, you would say the reign of David is the high point of the people following the Lord. Um, Solomon, for all of the great things that he does, he really does kind of... All, I mean, we've talked about this in Kings before, but he, he really does lead the people in the wrong direction. And it kind yep. of sets the tone for, for sure, all of Israel's kings and then most of Judah's kings as well. But anyway, so we'll, we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, I do want to talk about... I've, I've been uh, obsessively just researching the history around this kind of time period for funsies. And, Why am I not surprised? You know, um, I think one of the things that we need to remember is that historically what's going on around all this time. So it, when Solomon is king, the region is still recovering from the Bronze Age collapse, which is, if, if you don't know, that's kind of at the in the 1100s BC, um, there's this <laughs> massive just all of the empires at the time that were controlling the world, that had trade and commerce with each other, they all collapse except for Egypt and Assyria. And Egypt essentially never is the same, and they just go downhill until they eventually do fall. And then Assyria goes into Asher, like their main city, and that's how they survive. So they, their, their empire contracts down into like that Nineveh-Asher place. And then all the others fall, like the Hittites completely disappear from history. Ugarit is completely gone. Like there's all of these major powers of the time. There's another one I can't remember. Uh, the Mycenaeans are another one that they're just gone. Uh, and so it's a really interesting point where mm-hmm. when Israel is at its greatest height of power, it's partly because there's no great empires around them. And so the region used to be dominated by all these powers. And then now there's this power vacuum. And this is kind of where David and uh, Solomon's kingdom essentially rises. And it, it gets kind of that... 
it gets some of that international attention that it probably wouldn't have gotten in another time of history. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. That is interesting. Also, fun fact, the Hittites, they, they were one of the empires that fell. Um, they were so completely destroyed that for a lot of years, people thought that they were just a made-up civilization in the Bible. And it wasn't until the 19th century when there was actually evidence found that the Hittites were real people. So Even more fun fact, I did a report on the Hittites. Did you? When I was in Pentateuch. What? Dr. Hobson said that we couldn't use any biblical references. We had to do like an out-of-biblical research paper. And the problem is because they were essentially wiped off the face of the earth and there was no history. Yeah, I didn't much. really have much to write a paper on. So I had to use the Bible as part of my historical piece and I got like a C minus on it. So I'm sorry, Dr. Hobson. Wow. I chose a wrong, wrong authority. This Dr. Hobson sounds like a, it's kind of a jerk. No, he's a great, he's a great professor. But I'm just, I'm just kidding. I dropped the ball. I, I, I chose poorly, you could say. So anyways, there you go. There's that's also, it for fun facts. There's also, sorry, one more. There's, oh, also, sorry, spec- there's also speculation that Troy from the Iliad could be a Hittite outpost on the Western side of Turkey. So that is it for fun facts, <laughs> listeners, because you didn't come here for let's learn more about the Bronze Age. How do you even know you, that? I was, it was, came up in a thing. It was like a, yeah, I was reading about it. It was like, they think the basically the theory is that <laughs> The Iliad is a retelling of an actual um, Mycenaean raid on Troy, on, on like a Hittite city. So, or alternatively, one of the mysterious sea peoples. Who knows? Anyway, sorry, we're getting back. Sorry, That's listeners, That's ridiculous. We're getting back in. So, you can Sol- blame me. Solomon is reigning. Uh, Israel is enjoying their golden age. They're getting a lot of that international attention, like I said, because they're in this power vacuum. They actually are one of the more powerful places in the region. Um, that's obviously not going to last as we keep going through Chronicles. You're going to see um, you know, some other empires kind of rise up. But it kind of culminates where we see Solomon marries uh, the Pharaoh's daughter. So he's forming this marriage alliance with Egypt. And he's also visited by the Queen of Sheba, which is most likely located in modern-day Yemen, I found out, which I didn't know. Fancy. So, yeah. Yemen is the southeastern corner of the uh, Arabian Peninsula, by the way. So if, if you kind of have a head map there, that's where it's at. Um, and she comes away very, very impressed. So this is in Second Chronicles chapter 9, starting in verse 1. It says, Now when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions, having a very great... Uh, Man, I don't know what I don't even know what that word is. Sorry, guys. Sorry, listeners. Having a very great <laughs> retinue of, of camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him that all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from Solomon that he could not explain to her. When the Queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, and the attendance of his servants, and their clothing, his cupbearers and their clothing, and his burnt offerings that he had offered to the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her, which is just a fancy way, I guess, of saying like, wow, look at that. And she said to the king, the report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom, but I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, half the greatness of your wisdom was not told to me. You surpassed the report that I had heard. Happy are your wives. Happy are these your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and set you on his throne as king for the Lord your God. Because your, because your God loved Israel and would establish them forever, he has made you king over them that you may execute justice and righteousness. And then she gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great, great quantity of spices and precious stones. 
There were no spices such as those that the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Moreover, the servants of Hiram and the servants of Solomon, who brought gold from Ophir, brought alglum wood and precious stones. And the king made from the alglum wood supports for the house of the Lord and for the king's houses, uh, lyres and also harps for the singers. There was never seen like them before in the land of Judah. And King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all that she desired, whatever she asked, and besides what she had brought to the king. And she turned and went back to her own land with her servants. So yeah, we get this picture of, I mean, this is just the most kind of golden age story mm-hmm. of so like this queen hears story. She's like, that can't be true. Goes to meet him. And she's like, it's <gasps> even, yeah, it's, she has no more breath left inside of her. Entourage. So she, yeah. That's, so she, that's another way of saying retinue. Oh. It's a cinnamon for entourage. You know, they could have just put entourage. She sh- well, the CSB does. Anyways. Wow. <laughs> yeah. English standard uh, version letting uh, me down. No, but I, that paints a better picture, I think, as you're reading through that. It's just like. She shows up with all this pomp and circumstance uh, to to go to Solomon and say, "Okay, what do you? Is this really true?" Um, so you can imagine the Prince Ali song from Aladdin playing. Exactly, that's while exactly she in. Queen of Sheba. That's the version. Boom. All right. Well, chapter nine concludes with a record of Solomon's. So essentially, yeah, it's just giving you all of the different things that he does, and then eventually it leads to. No, it doesn't lead to his death, but the chapter <laughs> concludes with his death. Um, much like David. The chronicler kind of ignores the bad parts. So, because we remember when we went through David, we hear nothing of him and Bathsheba. Uh, we don't hear from about Absalom. There's a bunch of things that we kind of just skip over. It's like, oh no, David's, you know, David was awesome. There's nothing, there's no negatives David there. David was great. Yeah. Solomon's kind of the same way where we don't really hear about his negative attributes. Solomon we just hear, is great. Yeah. Solomon's the best. Um, but however, that courtesy will not be extended to Rehoboam. So this is where oh, we're going to start getting well, into... Well. Um, yeah, the the account of Rehoboam's stupidity is almost identical to the one that we find in Kings. So when you wow. read, if you read them side by side, uh, you will see that that is kind of the case. Which Aaron let me borrow. By the way, Aaron let me borrow a book that was a synoptic harmony of Kings and Chronicles, which was really fun. So it, there's right next. It was Samuel for Kings and Chronicles. That's true. Listeners, it was so much fun that I ordered it myself, <laughs> and it is getting delivered today. So and, now it was a bu- and it was a book that I found at half price books. Boom! There you go. I paid full price for it because I'm an idiot, but. Anyway, yeah. So the respect that Solomon has from the surrounding nations also appears to have evaporated. Uh, Chronicles takes much greater pains to describe Egypt plundering Jerusalem. So this is after Solomon's reign. He makes that marriage alliance with Egypt. Rehoboam comes and, you know, Egypt, rightfully, they're just like, this guy's a moron. We don't need to respect him anymore. (laughs) Uh, So there's a moment where Rehoboam humbles himself before Yahweh. And Jerusalem is spared, which that part is not in Kings, which is kind of interesting. So we do see, you know... He did one thing, right? He did one thing that hey. was smart. <laughs> so Rehoboam, I mean, and, and here's the deal. Rehoboam, he repented, or repent's a strong word. He humbled himself before the Lord and he didn't sacrifice any children. So he's not the absolute worst. So he's better than Manasseh. <laughs> so there is that. Uh, in chapter 13, we get another piece of information that Chronicles seems to care a lot more about than Kings. Uh, and this is the wars between Abijah who is called Abijam in Kings. So that threw me off for a second, but that's why they're called, they have different names in those two books. Uh, And then Jeroboam, the king of Israel. So Judah defeats Israel. And in a way, this war is kind of a microcosm of the dynamic between Israel and Judah throughout their history. We'll kind of see that, you know, Judah's kind of exercising a lot of power there. 
Uh, and the kings of Judah fall well short of their ideals, but they're not as bad as the kings of Israel. So that's what we kind of see. Abijah is, or Abijah, he's not great, but he's better than Jeroboam. Uh, and then I, I put in the notes, they're not as bad as the kings of Israel until we get to Manasseh. <laughs> and then Manasseh is, oh my gosh, Manasseh is the freaking worst. Uh, chapter 14, we get to Asa, who is the first good king of Judah. Um, hey. Yeah. So obviously, and when I said it, it's from Rehoboam forward, right? Because David is king over the yes. united Israel and Judah. Uh, what's interesting, Chronicles gives extra focus to the fact that Asa tore down the high places and really set the people back onto a path of worshiping Yahweh. Um but what's interesting, I thought, is so Chronicles had a tendency to, it skipped over David and Solomon's weak points. It does not do that with Asa. It gives us a much greater picture of Asa's feelings, um, which actually, I can't remember if we ranked Asa as a good or a great king, but uh, when we were going through kings, but this actually makes me put him solidly into good and not into great, which I might've had him in great before. So, but we get this passage. Next time we just need to like actually have a running list that we have. And we just continually so update. we're trying to remember, but... Next year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, I don't remember where we put them either. But it, it, it was it was a curious question to me as I was going to ask, like, how does this influence our ranking? But you already answered that. So good job. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but this is in Second Chronicles 16. It says, at that time, uh, Hananiah, the seer, came to Asa, the king of Judah, and said to him, because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians and Libyans a huge army with very much chariots and horsemen, sorry, very many chariots and horsemen, yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. You have done foolishly in this, for for from now on you will have wars. Then Asa was very angry with the seer and put him in the stocks in prison, for he was in a rage with him because of this. And Asa inflicted cru cruelties upon some of the people at this time. The acts of Asa from first to last are written in the books of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers, dying in the 41st year of his reign. They buried him in a tomb that he had cut for himself in the city of David. They laid him on a briar, uh, on a bier that had been filled with various kinds of spices, prepared for the perfumer's art, and they made a very great fire in his honor. So there you go. Asa is not... Yeah, he has some failings. Okay, he's not a bad king by any yeah, means. Yeah, for sure. You, but he, you get this point where he's he he fails he's not as to, great as we thought. Yeah, he fails to fully trust the Lord in multiple different areas, and then we kind of see that he, uh, you know, and that one of the big no nos, you know, you know, don't put your prophets in prison. They're trying to, they're trying to help. They're trying Noted. to noted. Yeah, they're trying. Yeah, gee, I mean, other people <laughs> do try to do worse with their prophets, but you know, come on, Asa. It's not like what do you knew? Yeah, don't shoot the messenger. That's a rule. That's a that's a colloquialism. I don't know how you say that. No, you did a good job. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, king Asa, he is given the as his father David suffix to his reign as kings. However, in Chronicles, this is omitted. Um, you'll remember in our rankings, what one of the things we talk about is the great kings. They almost always have that they did was right in the sight of the Lord as their father David before them. So in yeah. Kings, that's it does say that about Asa. In Chronicles, that is omitted. It just says, you know, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. So they don't give him the extra little oomph yeah. or whatever you call it. It's not it. the stamp of approval that he, he, he got in Kings. <clears throat> yep. All right. So yeah, remember that Chronicles is focusing on the Kings and Avenge of Judah. So nowhere is this more acutely felt than 
with the fact that Elijah is only mentioned twice in what? the book. Oh, sorry, once in the book, and Elisha is never heard from. So these massive what? characters and kings, uh, we don't really hear from them hardly at all. So uh, when Elijah, Ahab, and Jezebel are doing their things, most of which this is happening in the reign of Asa. So we're not, but we're not hearing about that. So just imagine during this forty-one year reign of Asa or thirty-nine. What did I say? 41st. Sweet. All right. In the 40, in the 41 years of Asa's reign, uh, Elijah is, you know, challenging prophets of Baal. Baal Ahab is killing uh, Naboth, I think was his name. And then Jezebel is just being the worst. All this is going on. Uh, so in chapter 17, we get a long treatise on the reign of Jehoshaphat, who is also one of the good kings of Judah. So he's not reaching the heights of David, but he's being about as good of a king as Asa. And then I put, if you're grading on a curve, that's fantastic. Like, so true. And, you, and like, yeah, when you compare him to David, he's not that great. When you compare him to the, like, just the whole like average king of Judah, and especially if you factor in the kings of Israel, Jehoshaphat is a great king. Yep. Good work. Uh, so in Kings, Jehoshaphat is seen mostly as a side story to Ahab and Jehoram. Uh, however, in Chronicles, the roles are reversed. And we are told about the alliance between Jehoshaphat and Ahab and Ahab's subsequent death in battle. So yeah, I did think that was kind of weird where when we see Jehoshaphat in Kings, he kind of is introduced as, and then Ahab made an alliance with Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, whereas in Chronicles it's reversed. We don't hear about Ahab until that alliance happens. So there you go. Uh, upon his return, Jehoshaphat is confronted by the prophet Jehu, and he actually listens. Hey, dude, way to way to one Good up job. your way to one up your father and <laughs> a lot of the other kings. Uh, he travels around Judah. He builds up cities, so he's kind of building up fortresses and making sure they're well protected. Uh, he appoints judges in these different areas, and then he turns the people back towards the worship of Yahweh. So good for you, Jehoshaphat. Uh, after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites make war with Judah, and upon Jehoshaphat's prayer, Yahweh delivers Judah. So there you go. Similar to Rehoboam there, where he prays and is delivered, except Jehoshaphat doesn't suck like Rehoboam does. Uh, and then at the end of his reign, we learn that Jehoshaphat didn't quite learn his full lesson. Come on, man. Yeah, you know, what are you going to do? This is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It says, after this, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, joined with Ahaziah, the king of Israel, who acted wickedly, which I mean, you don't even have to add the acted wickedly. All you have to say is the king of Israel. And then we know that he's, you know, a bad king. Yep. Uh, he joined him in building ships to go to Tarshish. Hey, that's where Jonah went. And they built Ooh. ships in Ezion Geber. Then Eleazar, the son of Doduavu of Maranesh, uh, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have joined with Ahaziah, the Lord will destroy what you have made. And the ships were wrecked and were not able to go to Tarshish. Because that's a rule. Because if you just came and swallowed. Oh, wait, no. Sorry. <laughs> You're, if you want to go to Tarshish, it, you can't, it can't be done. won't happen. Even today- It's if, forbidden. <laughs> we don't know where Tarshish was. If you found the site where Tarshish was and then tried to go there, God would stop you because it's a rule. You can't actually make it there. Uh, I don't know how accurate that is, but yeah, like, <laughs> we, we can make a biblical case for it, I guess. I think but you can accurate. do that for a lot of things. Anyways, so oh, that's so man. funny. So we end our string- Just of, stay away from Tarshish, guys. Just yeah. don't even think about it. Get out of there. Uh, we end our string of good kings by getting to Jehoram, who is, you know, he's not too great. Uh, Chronicle des describes him as essentially being a king of Israel, which is not a compliment. Nope. So he loses to Edom and, uh, or he loses Edom as a vassal state to Judah. And then he undoes most of the work of his father, Jehoshaphat. So Edom is rebels and is able to escape Judah's uh, influence. And then, yeah, I mean, come on. 
What are you going to do? Uh, Yahweh, understandably, he's not too happy with Jehoram. And this is in Second Chronicles chapter 21. It says, And the Lord stirred up against Jehoram the anger of the Philistines and of the Arabians who are near the Ethiopians. And they came up against Judah and invaded it and carried away all the possessions that they found that belonged to the king's house and also his sons and his wives so that no, no son was left to him except Jehoaz, his youngest son. And after all this, the Lord struck him in the bowels with an incurable disease. That shouldn't laugh. That's, that's Wait a, a minute. That's a bummer. Uh, in the course of time, at the end of two years, his bowels came out because of the disease, and he died in great agony. His people made no fire in his honor like the fires made for his fathers. He was 32 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem, and he departed with no one's regret. They buried him in the city of David, but not in the tomb of the kings. Wow. So Jehoram. <laughs> that's sad. Just... Yeah, the bowel thing, it's just, I like I, I put in the note, like you can tell, like God's not a fan of Jehoram's reign. And so he kind of just has him die painfully. And then the people, it, I, it's just such a crazy thing. And he departed with no one's regret. Like it's basically saying the king is the king is dead. I want that on my tombstone. Yeah. Said no one ever. And they don't, they don't make a fire for him. They decide to bury him somewhere else. So they bury him in Jerusalem, but not with the tomb of the kings. So, wow, there you go. Jehoram. Not great. Also, unfortunately, kind of a uh, kind of foreshadowing of what is to come from the kings of Judah. So uh, Ahaziah then takes over. He's no better than his father. Uh, and he's eventually killed by Jehu, uh, the king of Israel, not the prophet who was with Jehoshaphat. Yeah, it can get a little confusing sometimes. Yeah, there's a lot of, there are a lot of names. What I thought was interesting is there's a lot of names that repeat from like different prophets have different names or diff just different people in general. But there's only one king that has the same name as another king. It's Jeroboam II. The rest of them all have their own unique names. So I don't know. Anyway, that's just the thing I was thinking about when I was reading. Uh, so Jehu is the king of Israel. He is also the king of Israel who ends the dynasty of Ahab. So remember God, uh, because Ahab and Jezebel are so wicked, God promises to end their line. Ahab repents at the very end. And so God is merciful and says, okay, well, I'm not going to do it while you're alive. And then his son is the one who is, or his grandson, I think it's his son though, is the one who is killed. Uh, Ahaziah's mother, Athaliah, then executes a coup, killing most of Ahaziah's sons, uh, which would be her grandchildren. So, okay, that's not cool. Wow. Yeah. Uh, only Joash was saved by his aunt Jeho uh, Jehoshabeth, not Jehoshaphat. These are just great names. Uh, and her husband was uh, Jehodiah the priest. So he, they saved Joash, which is pretty, okay, cool. Good for them. Uh, eventually, with a lot of leadership from Jehoiada, uh, Joash is made king. And this begins a series of reforms, which are actually pretty good. So Joash is, he's looking pretty hot right here. So good deal. Uh, Jehoiada kills the high priests of Baal, or the high priest of Baal, and he protects the temple from future idolatry. Uh, Joash also rebuilds slash repairs the temple. So it's looking, it's looking good. And then this happens, which we're actually going to see be a theme here for, in a little, for a couple of the kings. Uh, after Jehoiada dies, Joash goes downhill real fast. Uh, so he has Jehoiada's son, Zechariah, killed after he calls out the king for rejecting God's commands. So again, that's a rule. You don't, you listen to your prophets. If you listen to your prophets, it's going to go really well for you. If you don't, then it's going to go really bad. Um, he would be assassinated by his own servants as revenge for the murder of Zechariah. So the servants see that he's killing God's prophet and they're like, yeah, we're not about that. And so they kill the king. Uh, we're told that he is buried in Jerusalem, but not in the tomb of the kings. So he gets the Jehoram treatment. Sweet. 
Uh, Joash's son and grandson kind of follow in his footsteps. Amaziah starts off pretty good. He follows the commands of Yahweh. Uh, however, he comes back from conquest over Edom and he brings back some of their gods. He's warned by an unnamed, unnamed prophet about this idolatry. And while Amaziah does not have him killed, so that's a point over Joash, uh, he threatens to kill him if he does not be quiet. So not great. Uh, eventually Joash the king of Israel, not the king of Judah that we just <laughs> talked about. Again, this gets annoying. So I guess those two kings do have the same name, but they're different dynasties. So it's not Joash the first and the second, but uh, he would make war with Judah and hand them a serious defeat. After the war, Amaziah, the son, uh, after the, sorry, after the death of Amaziah, his son Uzziah would take the throne. All things considered, Uzziah was a pretty good king. Uh, he starts off strong. He actually listens to his prophet, Zechariah. This is not the same Zechariah who was murdered by Joash. Oh, jeez. Or the author of the prophetic book of Zechariah. This is just, I just, I put, apparently Zechariah is just a really popular name yep. at this point. Uh, Uzziah is one of the great military leaders of Judah, and he helps to set up the city of Jerusalem uh, to withstand some future sieges that will come later. So like I said, all in all, Uzziah is actually a pretty good king. However, this is how his reign would end. This is in Second Chronicles chapter 26. It says, But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn, burn incense on the altar of incense. Uh, but, a but Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who were consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. Now, Aaron, do you think that Uzziah here listens to the his? I, I guess these aren't prophets; these are priests. But do you think he listens to the word of the Lord here? Or no. Hmm. My money is on no. Yeah. So then Uzziah was angry, and now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead and the present in the presence of the priests in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to go out because the Lord had struck him. And King Uzziah was a leopard. Oh, sorry, a leopard. He was a leper to the day of his death and being a leper lived in a separate house for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's household governing the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah from first to last, Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, wrote, and Uzziah sleeps with his fathers and they buried him with his fathers in the burial field that belonged to the kings for they said, he is a leper. And Jotham, his son, reigned in his place." So you get a lot of these kings who are not being buried in the tombs of the kings. Which of is really sad. Yeah. I mean, for their for their legacy, their their rulership, if you will, their tenure, it's yeah. It's a it's a sad thing because it's an honor to be laid with the tomb. And Uzziah's the only one too where he was actually a pretty good again, all things considered, he was a good king kind of up until this point. And it's it's interesting to me that that's just it was just a theme that you saw with this uh a few kings in a row start off pretty well, yeah. and then they just tank hard at the end. Or And yeah, and that's kind of just, it is what it is. Uh, Uzziah also is, his death is notable in that it marks the beginning of the ministry of Isaiah. So you'll remember Isaiah chapter six starts with in the year that King Uzziah died, and that's his call to the ministry, which is also just one of my favorite chapters of the, uh, chapters of the Bible. It's yes, real good. It is. Well, next week we will wrap up Chronicle. We're actually doing a lot. We're doing a lot of books next week. Ooh. So it's going to be, it's going to be real fun. So stick around for that. But this week we are going to do some Psalms that Aaron has. But before we do, listeners, just wanted to remind you to... Uh, you know, hey, you could leave us a five-star review 
on particularly Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That's really helpful for us. It helps get the podcast out there to more people. We have noticed that Spotify is catching up. They, uh, we, uh, <laughs> if, if, if this is a race to a hundred, Apple podcast is still ahead, but boy, and you had a large lead. <laughs> yeah. But boy, Spotify, you guys are just, you know, you're doing a great job leaving yeah. your reviews. So anyway, it is really helpful to us. We really appreciate it. And if you leave a written one, we will read it on the podcast just because, you know, that's the kind of guys that we are. And pretty much that's only on Apple podcast because you can't do that on Spotify. True. I was misled when Spotify started allowing ratings, just saying. So uh, yeah. Anyway, so as Evan said, we have uh, four Psalms that we're going to be reading this week. Uh, and all of the Chronicles, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of ready to to, to be into some new books. Not because I, yeah. I want to be, you know, you know, insensitive or whatever about the, about scripture, but uh, it, there's moments where it's like, okay, so Chronicles and Psalms, Chronicles and Psalms. Well, so, here's the thing. I, I love the Old Testament history books. And even I'm getting a little bit like, all right, let's get to something else. Yeah. Well, and I think part of, I mean, for, especially for us, because we've done so much of the recording, it's just, oh, it's Chronicles and Psalms again. I felt like we did that last week. So anyways, mm-hmm. uh, but this week there's only four Psalms uh, and we're going to start this week reading Psalm 47. Then we're going to jump into Psalm 82, Psalm 115, and then Psalm 46. Uh, and so if this is your first time on the podcast, what we just t- typically try and do here because there's uh, only a handful of these, but there's also so much to them. We just kind of try and give a quick overview and an intro to the context of the content. And so gives you a little bit of insight as you read it. It kind of gives you hopefully some more uh, perspective on it. Uh, so Psalm 47, as we start, start this week, uh, is a psalm that celebrate, celebrates God's kingship. Uh, it's, it shows the promises to Abraham that all peoples of the world will be blessed in him and are founded on the face that there is only true, truly one God, uh, and then to whom all mankind owes love and loyalty to this one true God. So Psalm 47 is going to celebrate God's kingship, reflecting on the promises of Abraham. Uh, Psalm 82 uh, can be viewed as a community lament uh, because it addresses God directly with a request on behalf of the whole people, Uh, but it also can be seen as a prophetical psalm a prophetic psalm because it is seen at, uh, uh, of the addresses to the gods as directed by unjust human rulers whom God will judge himself. Uh, and so quick little side note, it's, it's interesting, like I can give you and we can take time to really kind of review uh, thematically or even uh, kind of a grouping, a genre of psalms. Sometimes there's a lot of overlap and double dip uh, or multiple dippings in the psalms with different genres. So you see that here in Psalm 82. Uh, the, the fun part of that, the psalm, is it, it, it should, as people sing it, that should sing, those who are singing the psalm should enable uh, many who, uh, of the faithful to take courage and face unjust rule. Uh, in context, many of the people in the Old Testament uh, were socially weak and lowly in Israel, uh, but there's also a very good parallel to early Christians in the New Testament as well. Predominantly Christian audience was not uh, a very strong socially social group. It was not a very uh, wealthy uh, group of people either. Um, and so it's when they sing this psalm, it allows the, those who would be considered faithful uh, to take courage in the face, like I said, as an unjust rule. Uh, and so they don't need to yield to the ever-present temptation to cooperate with the injustices of their wicked rulers, um, which I thought was pretty, I mean, as I read through some of these uh, just breakdowns or, or kind of quick hitters and insights to the psalms, I mean, there's so much overlay and practical realities to today. Um, and so even that, I mean, now we may not all be impoverished or lowly, uh, I think, 
in social status or wealth economically, um, but we do still face this temptation to cooperate with injustice uh, of wicked rulers. And so I think it's it's really valuable to to just remember uh, as, as God's people were called to walk in justice and we're called to reflect his love and grace. And so Psalm 82 uh, is one that I think is easy to, to connect with this week. Uh, psalm 115, we're going to read, that will be the third psalm. Uh, this is a psalm that is urging God's people to trust and worship the Lord alone by reminding them that he alone is worthy of their deepest loyalty. Um, you'll find in the background of this psalm, which I'm going to read here in just a second, uh, lurks this temptation to turn to the gods worshipped in other nations, uh, which, spoiler alert, it happens all throughout. What? <laughs> all throughout <laughs> God's people's history, uh, including today. Uh, and so... Uh, there's this lurking temptation in all of our culture and all of our world and all of our lives to worship uh, false images and worship other things besides the one true God. Um, and and the challenge of this hymn, psalm, this hymn, uh, is that the congregation, those who are listening, those who are part of God's family, we must grasp how hopeless it is to serve uh, such false gods. Uh, so I want to read it real quick for us um, and just just kind of re- hear those undertones, the, the challenge to... Uh, worship God alone, uh, the challenge to uh, re- reject the the background temptation. Uh, this is, uh, this is a, a good psalm to read, but it says this, it says, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name, give glory because of your faithful love, because of your truth. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven and does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. The, they have mouths, but cannot speak eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but can't feel, feet but can't walk. They cannot make a sound with their throats. Those who make them are just like them, as all who are as are who, all who trust in them. Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. I should put that in my in my entryway. Uh, like just that, that verse, verse 10, How, house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who feel the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. A little repetitiveness there. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. Amen. I agree. Mm, I received beautiful. that blessing. Uh, <laughs> it says, he will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord add to your numbers, both yours and your children's. May you bless be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has gone. Has, he has given to the human race. It is not the dead who praise the Lord, nor any of those who knows descending into silence of death. But we will bless the Lord both now and forever. Hallelujah. Um, and, and so that's just, I think that song, you, you just see this, this almost this, the psalmist plea to urge God's people to trust in the Lord, uh, as if he didn't say that enough. Uh, but you also see this this background temptation, this background challenge that's coming at him. So uh, it reminds me just even today of the whole idea of Ephesians 6, where it's, we don't fight against flesh and blood, put on the full armor of God, uh, and understanding the fight that we're in as Christians is not, it's not always going to be this blatant in your face, the enemy is attacking me, but it is this war with our flesh. It is this war with temptation, this desire to establish a name for ourselves. I mean, the same thing that God's people is, even as we're reading and reflecting in Chronicles, and we've read uh, through First and Second Kings, and we've read in First and Second Samuel, this desire to be like the other nations. Uh, this is a, this is not a, a an Old Te- Testament history uh, challenge. It's it's a humanity challenge where we are all wrestling with this. Um, and so, I love that the psalmist is urging us to trust in the Lord, to worship God and God alone. He's the one true God. 
and so we're going to read that this week. Um, and then finally, we're going to read Psalm 46. Uh, and this is a celebration. It's a hymn celebrating Zion as the special city that God is creating. Uh, and God has pledged himself um, to the city and through which he will bless the world. Um, and so that's how we end the Psalms this week is through 46, uh, taking time to reflect on God's fulfillment of promises and how he's going to bless the world. So that'll be it for the week. Boom. Well, and that's it for this week's episode of Let's yes. Read the Bible. So uh, as a reminder, we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only resource of the Grove Church. You can find all of our other resources on our website, grove.church. Uh, and also, if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you'd like to financially contribute to the ministry that the Grove Church does, you can also do that on our website, grove.church. There is a give button in the upper right-hand corner. But hey, thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day. 